Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the View from the Nest podcast where we talk about all things Index Corp and uh, crypto in general. I'm AG, a community contributor to the Corp, and uh, as always, I'm joined here by Paul, who um, is also a full-time contributor to the Corp and uh, a good friend of mine. How are you doing, Paul? What's, uh, what's new this week at the Corp? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, I also go by Dark Forest Capital, if anybody new is joining us this week. Uh, but yeah, I'm very good. I was just having a little little moan before the podcast to say that um, I'm really struggling with the newsletter every week because there's just so much going on to kind of pick and choose the, the best bits and pieces. So I'm kind of intending to choose the ones with pretty pictures. Uh, makes my life a little bit easier when writing the newsletter. But um, yeah, very full on. It's been the the case for us the last couple of weeks we've talked about it how much um, the index carp is doing how much we're producing how many new joiners we're seeing um, so it's all good news and uh, it's the way that we want to be going in it's a nice problem to have but it does make writing a newsletter very uh, difficult maybe you need uh, nominations from the community you know maybe like a new joiner can pick their favorite topic from the forum and sum it up and you just put it in the newsletter yeah that sounds like a good idea it's um yeah it reminds me of the the bounty that we ran a while back where new joiners could um like write an intro to themselves and that's where mr medilla came from actually he he took me up on that offer and uh, now he's become our supreme leader as we'll see in the index co-op org chart section um so so we've done all right out of it there <laughs> I'm sure the title he proudly carries. Yeah, so there's a bit of a Star Wars theme within the co-op because people say that I look like a Sith Lord when I I sit in the dark on meetings and and tell people what to do. And now we've got Supreme Leader Medilla as well. So yeah, there's a bit of a thread running through those. Okay. Well, that's uh, lost on me, but um, (laughs) let's let's jump into the, the newsletter I think the first item was uh, progress on working groups where you covered kind of the analytics working group and growth working group and, and what's going on uh, with those. Uh, do you want to give us a little bit of a of an overview? Yeah, sure. So we've obviously structured ourselves within the co-op with these working groups. Um, we're pushing out the responsibility onto the working group leads now. Um in terms of like directing resources, budget, and all that good stuff. So it was nice to see a first like check-in from both JD Cook and Lemonade Alpha on the analytics and growth working groups respectively, just to keep everybody abreast of you know what they're up to, what they're doing. I think with JD it's um it's quite easy to see because obviously he has these lovely like dashboards that he's been updating, uh, mainly focused around sort of product stuff. But for me, when I ran through that post, uh, I didn't realize that it had actually started like bringing um, other people on ad hoc to, to help with these contributions as well. So it was, yeah, it was nice to understand exactly what he's got going on, what his plans are um, going forward. And then on the growth side of things, um, Lemonade's obviously putting out the targets that we're trying to hit in terms of impressions, um, like the, the Substack content uh, all, and all of that good stuff. Um, Again, very useful to sort of check in and just see where we're at with those uh, and understand what the the plan is going forward. So all in all, the co-op continues to be like a a really well-structured, really well-organized DAO. 
Um, it's impressive stuff. Great to see. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was worth bringing up so that people like are aware that this stuff is happening and, and they can do the same as me and go and, you know, check out what these guys have been up to and, and see how bullish it is for, for the index co-op overall. Yeah, that was obviously really helpful for the community to see what's what's been worked on and what is sort of coming out of uh, these two working groups. And uh, I think, you know, hopefully we get a similar uh, sort of post from Treasury Working Group, which launched uh, a little bit later. And, uh, you know, maybe you and I should do one on the Metaverse Index as well at some point. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, definitely. It's, I guess there's, there's ways to track like what we're up to through our MetaPortal um, sub-stack and obviously through the growth of NVI itself, but there's a lot of cool stuff that we've got going on in the background and it would definitely be good to share that with people. Uh, I think on, on the growth side of things, one thing I did actually want to mention was uh, Big Sky gave us some feedback from the, the business development team that was quite interesting on his feedback from like the strategic investor conversations that have been going on. And he said a lot of those investors, regardless of like their feedback on the sale of index tokens itself, were saying that every time they go on Twitter, they see a lot of content about index co-op and it, and it all seems to be good. And so obviously one thing that Lemonade's been focusing on is the impression mining program. And I think that is an anecdotal direct result of the impression mining program where we're seeing people evangelize the index co-op on Twitter and it, it's having an impact like up to the highest level of like VCs and, and crypto native funds they are spotting that you know we're putting the word out there about the kind of stuff that we're doing our growth um, our, our metrics and all of that uh, all of that stuff so yeah it's, it's anecdotal but it is it's good to hear that it's kind of reaching up to those levels and um, it, it's like a direct result of an initiative that has been put in place by a working group so yeah that's really good now we just need to see if that correlates with the growth in the unit supply, right, of uh, DPI or MVI or other products. Because uh, that was sort of the hypothesis, right, for impression mining. And basically, if we can get the word out, if we can kind of put index and in our products all over uh, Twitter, that should drive uh, supply growth. So, um, yeah, really curious to kind of look at it you know, three months later and see if like, if there was meaningful growth in unit supply, which for now I think we've seen, um, but also whether like we can somehow attribute it to different things, including sort of the impression mining program. And if it's just a case of the index token going up in price, then nobody's going to complain about that either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, with that, I think uh, like a second item in, in the newsletter was kind of a, a quick one, just looking at our uh, TVL or AUM or however sort of you want to call it. And uh, that for a brief period there, it's uh, it exceeded 300 million and uh, sort of dipped uh, back under. Um, so that's obviously quite exciting to see. I... I I think I remember a week ago we, we were talking about 200 million and so that growth was sort of supercharged by ETH fly uh, obviously with the price appreciation of um, of that product and, and that token that obviously helped us a lot 
um, but we have seen kind of reasonable unit growth for DPI as well as MVI. I think MVI is growing uh, units at about 15% per, per week, uh, which is exciting to see. And uh, yeah, I think it sort of puts us in a good position to meet our, tar meet, meet, um, our target of 500 million by the end of Q2. And uh, yeah, I think we are on our way there. Yeah, definitely. Um, it actually caught me off guard because I totally missed this. I, like, I was still thinking we're, we're sort of like mid two hundreds, um, and because you were right, I I pointed it out. I think if not in the previous newsletter, but the week before that, saying that we just tipped over two hundred, um, and then straight away we're at three hundred. So, yeah, sign of the times, really. Obviously, we're in a bit of a massive bull bull market right now. TVL maybe not the the most accurate metric because it is so heavily influenced by the price of our assets underlying but um it is the most common i think everybody sort of equalizes using tvl and, and can sort of understand the metric so yeah just an easy one to put in there and, and show the the kind of growth that we are seeing um across the co-op yeah we're actually back above 300 as as we record this at uh, 307 so that that dip below 300 was uh, rather uh, short-lived. Is that you going back in on ETHFLY, your ETHFLY position? What What do you mean? <laughs> like, I'm just insinuating that perhaps you're a ETH whale and that you've just bought up a load of a load more fly. Yeah, I just minted a lot. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Let's let's take a look at the next item. Then we were just looking at the uh, index corp org chart. Um, I bigged up. Pepperoni Joe last week as well I think like he's just absolutely on fire at the moment and uh, he put together this really lovely chart which has Mr. Medilla as the absolute center point of everything index co-op um, so not to undo anything Mr. Medilla has done because obviously he's been amazing but uh, he's, that's not quite accurate so I think it's going to be rearranged to be a little bit more um, accurate a little bit of a flatter uh, org structure but it's Another useful thing that's come out to, to see like where everybody's at, um, and I know that they're following this up with a, a form for everybody to fill in that will have like all of your details, including email addresses, like where you, what you're working on, um, basically putting all of this together so that new joiners know who to contact about various different parts of the co-op, uh, depending on where they want to get involved. So. Put it in because it has a really nice, pretty picture in it, and um, it's also pretty important as for how we organise ourselves. It's, it's about time somebody sort of took hold and made this um, made this a lot better, and, and that's exactly what Joe's done. It's great, great to see. I, I think it, it's funny because a couple of months ago, right, even sort of January, February, into into March, um, we, I, I would say we didn't necessarily need an org chart i think a sort of a core group of people working on things and we had some new joiners come in but not that many that we sort of needed to put together an org chart so um so they can see sort of what's going on i think before it was mostly done through sort of one-on-one -on -one conversations and explaining to people what's going on um but I think now all the all the Twitter evangelizing has brought a lot of people in 
uh, over the last uh, months maybe uh, or maybe six weeks and um, it's great that sort of Joe came in and structured the onboarding process and is, is putting together these tools. Um, I think it's important to sort of have like have things that new joiners can do that actually sort of add value, right? Um, because I think at the moment there is several areas where we can add value, but it's it's crypto right so there's it's always easy to find a lot of work um but it's whether that work actually adds value or not um that's something that i think we we need to to focus on it's sort of easy to get overwhelmed and uh yeah i think that's something for us to sort of keep an eye on um just to make sure that with all the new people coming in we are actually giving them tasks that can move the dial for us yeah you've totally like hit it on the head there i think um we've brought in a lot of new people recently and perhaps some of our core focus has been a little bit lacking so i know there is a plan uh, between like the the full-time contributors and and the set team to just like go back around the loop on some of the strategic direction especially for like product treasury growth uh, and BD, and then communicating that back out to the co-op to make sure when you've got Joe and, and Gav who are bringing people in, that they know how to link those people up with our very high-level metrics like our North Stars and our KPIs. You've got to have that bit in the middle that you know is, is clear. What are our initiatives? How do they help us reach those goals? And how can you get involved? So yeah, we, we're just kind of building that bridge um, over the next few weeks so people can keep an eye out for that. I think it also like comes comes back to sort of the compensation question a little bit, right? Because once again, I think if people come in with uh, sort of this attitude of um, we want to sort of help out, uh, that that's fine, right? And and if they want to do something that doesn't necessarily move the dial, that that should be sort of fine as well. It should be their prerogative to do what they think is is helpful or, or things where uh, they individually can add value. Uh, but for us as an organization, I think we need to consider consider that, right? Like when we do rewards. So um, like we need to sort of reward things that move the dial versus things that are great, right? And, and great if, if people take initiative, but are not necessarily that meaningful in terms of us hitting our goals. So it's a bit of a kind of um, feedback loop, right, that that we need to consider. And it's fascinating to me. We, like, we haven't talked about it ever, right? Like, this is the first time that we actually saying, oh, shit, like, we have too many people, and we need to make sure they do things that... Um, that fit with our strategic goals and, and what we're actually trying to achieve over the next three months. Yeah, as somebody on the Treasury Committee that hits pretty close to home to me, Like one of the things that I'm keen that we try and retain is the ability to like um, issue rewards based on impact uh, and alignment with our goals, um, not just 
in the way that you would in a, like a traditional job where you turn up nine to five and as long as you don't do anything um, totally silly, you know, you get to keep your job basically and you'll get your salary. I think the power of coalescing around a token, the power of a DAO is that you can incentivize like certain things with your um, with your token. So being able to use that and, and wield that is, is really important. And while it's getting quite difficult to sort of keep track of the, um, the amount of contributors that we have and the amount of work that's being done, obviously we're trying to farm that out to the working group leads now and get their feedback because they're closer to, to each of those individual contributors. But still being able to like harmonize across all the different groups and add value like where it gives us as the co-op value. I, I think that's really important. I don't know if you saw this week, um, there was actually a separate post to reward Michael Petch from CoinShares 200 Index because he did a load of work with an institutional custodian, uh, fire, the, this Fireblocks um, custodian. So that's allowed us to like work DPI into the same sort of solution which is really useful for onboarding like financial, like traditional financial institutions. So um, as a one-off, like we've proposed as a treasury committee that we, that we award him for that work. Now there's no precedent around this. Um, he's a methodologist. So like normally we, we wouldn't be rewarding methodologists for work that they've done at the co-op, but because this was so impactful, we were able to use our discretion and actually say that you should be rewarded for this. So, it's that kind of thing that I think it remains interesting and it remains important for a DAO to be able to have that flexibility. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think there's going to be sort of anyone who is against rewarding Michael for sort of the contributions that he's made to Index. And uh, we actually talked to him several weeks ago and he sort of commented a little bit on the fact that the compensation structure is a bit like challenging to to follow um and and like yeah and that that's why i think he's struggled a little bit to sort of contribute outside of the methodologist role so certainly glad to see that proposal go up yeah i mean it's good it's good to have him around he's obviously adding value and now he's being rewarded um yeah hopefully that sort of makes things a little bit clearer um again like i say there was no precedent around this so uh it's it's like one of those things about a DAO that you, you do have the ability to like act um, in in new and innovative ways, but at the same time, it it leaves that little bit of ambiguity, which means some things can fall between the cracks. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword there. But uh, I think we've done the right thing, and like you say, I think it, like the the vote was one hundred percent for last time I checked. So um, yeah, definitely the right thing to do, and it's it's good to have Michael uh, on board and and helping us out. So let's uh, move on now to talking about the Rari Capital integration. Um, again, I don't know if you've had time to check this out uh, this week, AG, but basically M-Rings from um, the BD team. Uh, I've worked with M-Rings a lot, actually. He's, very, he's a really good like head-switched-on, really good contributor. Um, so he's reached out to Rari and put forward a plan to basically uh, create a fuse pool on their new Fuse product. Um, interestingly, like, what was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, Rari's actually hacked, so um, things are a bit up in the air with them at the moment. Um, so this is all going to be on pause for the time being. 
But uh, yeah, it's kind of bringing up that conversation again as to is there any demand for our products on um, on these lending markets? Like, will there be demand? While we are on cream with DPI and we're queued up on Aave and Maker, um, it's yeah, it's a bit hard to tell. So for me, kind of on the fence about this. Um, I don't think there's any sort of rush to do it with Rari particularly. Um, it remains to be seen. Like I'd like, I would like to see us on Maker or Aave first to really test the market because that's primarily where the demand is. Um, and we'll see like what the market actually thinks about these products, whether whether or not there will be demand on either side for for lending or borrowing. So um, yeah, an interesting one worth having a look through just to just to have a look at the fuse pools and how they work. Um, seems a bit like degen to me, maybe a bit of a, a degen uh, money market. But um, yeah, that's that's about it for my my conclusion on that one. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't spent too much time looking into it, and uh, I'm personally not too familiar with uh, with Rari. Um, is it similar to sort of the proposal that uh, Reflexor put forward? Um, because I know that in regards to sort of the Rari proposal, a lot of people are talking about how this would allow us to create leveraged versions of DPI and VI and so on. Um, so to me, it just sounds like it's uh, sort of a compound or a maker, but customizable to your own specs. Is that is that about right? Yeah, that's a great summary of it. Basically, uh, a little bit more work than a compound or an Aave, but less work than Reflexor and, and a DPI Rye. Okay. Yeah, let's, uh, let's jump to our favorite topic. Obviously, the Metaverse Index has been around for about a month now. Uh, why don't you sum it up for us? Um, what what have we done in, in a month? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the launch itself obviously was was pretty um, hectic and uh, took place in, in the metaverse, technically. So, um, yeah, beyond that, I think you and I took a couple of days to get our heads straight and figure out how we were going to approach things from there and kind of started moving stuff on. So we're starting to see the fruits of, of that labor now. Obviously, the first rebalance has been completed. So I know, obviously, being a TradFi geek, you you enjoyed running the numbers on that a couple of times um, prior to the actual rebalance itself. Obviously, we were paying pretty close attention to the levels of liquidity to make sure that it was all going to be okay. And I think we got it through with something like 45 trades in total, which is actually pretty good and where we want to be. So um, not too expensive from a gas perspective there. We've got the Decentral Games proposal to for them to add $200,000 of liquidity to the MVI ETH pool from their treasury. So you and I obviously drafted a proposal to them and said, there's, a, there's an opportunity here to diversify your treasury a little bit, to um, grow the partnership between both Index Co-op uh, and DG. And we're currently a little bit short of quorum on that one. I think we last time I checked, we had about 25000 excuse me, 25,000 votes, we need 34,000, but uh, they were over 80% in favour, so it's looking fairly good, we just need to drum up some interest, which you and I will be doing tonight, and and that'll be a great like first step towards getting people comfortable with this. I know you and I are looking at this as like, the DeFi people understand 
MVI really well because they go, oh, the metaverse is like the next step for crypto. I want financial exposure to that trend. Bang, I buy MVI. Whereas all of the communities in the projects that underlie it really don't know that much about DeFi at all. And they just really love the, the game slash marketplace slash NFT, whatever it is that the under like the, it, their community coalesces around, like forms around. So for us, this is uh, like one of the first dominoes, I think, to sort of knock down to start talking about how MVI is useful, um, how index products as a whole can be useful within a portfolio and, and can help you to diversify. Um, probably most excitingly, potentially, I don't know what you think, but uh, launching the content hub, MetaPortal, for all of our upcoming um, podcasts and, and articles that we'll be writing on there. Um, we got help from the designers, Static and CAF, who make up The Free and Mad, uh, and they've made it look absolutely sick. Like We've got some great logos, thumbnails, images, whatever. Um, so yeah, really excited to see where we can take that. Hopefully some interesting uh, wonders around maybe Decentraland, crypto voxels, etc. We can do some video content around that as well. So that's going to be really good. Um, we've got coverage, as you pointed out, AG, in Yahoo Finance, which I think both both of us missed for the first three weeks. But um, yeah, they wrote an article on us there. We've seen coverage from both the US, like China, everywhere in between. Um, so starting to make some waves, like people starting to pick up on the, the idea of the metaverse as a as a trend and something that you can start to buy into. And then we are minting or we're seeing roughly 1,200 um, new units being created uh, daily on average, uh, which has got us up to a $6.5 million market cap. Um, and that's about it for a month. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we did pretty good. Um, I'm particularly excited. Like, I think I'm more excited on the financial side of things. I think the uh, the, the partnerships uh, with the central games uh, is quite awesome. I think it's it, it would be amazing to see a treasury allocate to MVI ETH uh, pool and and farm index in in a way to further diversify the treasury. Like that's pretty cool. And uh, I think on kind of the financial side of it. It makes a lot of sense um, in my mind from their perspective to the proposal is to sort of diversify from MANA into MVI ETH. And with MVI, you basically get some MANA, but you actually get a security that is way less risky and way more correlated to, to ETH. Um, and so the uh, divergence loss profile of that pool should be okay. So... Yeah, I think really excited about that. And uh, like you said, the mint volume has been pretty steady at, at averaging about 1,200 units, which is uh, about 120 grand um, per per day. And specifically, like it's interesting to me that this is happening while the price of MVI is really not doing much, right? Um, so I'm actually quite excited to see what happens when we catch the sort of next big uh, run in the NFT uh, metaverse space. And then I think another thing that we learned recently is that if you look at the distribution of AUM by wallet size, right, like 50% of 
AUM is coming from people holding under uh, $25,000 uh, worth of uh, MVI, which like for DPI, I think that number is like 15%, something like that. Um, so a very different sort of distribution um, of customers, I guess, at, at this point. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was uh, really quite eventful. It doesn't feel like it's been a month. It feels like it's been uh, quite a bit longer. And uh, yeah, sort of to to get through all of these things and, and um, hit, hit some of these numbers is uh, really quite exciting, especially considering like the liquidity mining program on this is um, relatively uh, small compared to DPI, for example, when, when it launched. Um, I recently had a look at like the uh, DPI uh, liquidity mining announcement, which was made like three weeks after the launch, I think, of the product. And at that time, I think MVI, uh, DPI had about like 1.2 million in TVL. Um, and so kind of, yeah, considering how little we are incentivizing, it's been quite interesting to see the growth of the product. Okay. And so... We're thinking much the same uh, for this month. We're going to keep pushing on those partnerships and keep looking for opportunities to like cross market and um, start to really dive into, I think, the like blockchain gaming space, especially Axie Infinity. I know that's one of your favorite projects, AG, and um, you're obviously an avid Axie trainer. So, uh, yeah, getting involved there, seeing what we can do with, with some perhaps some educational content and uh, yeah, just looking to like really get involved, get the feelers out and, and see where we might have a natural fit between MVI, what Index Co-op are doing and, and some of the underlying projects. Have you got um, any thoughts on like, obviously you and I and Mason have, have sat down and looked at some of the projects that might go in in the future. There's, there's certainly some interesting ones that uh, we've talked about before that, that are coming up. Um, with the amount of stuff on the horizon, where do you like? How do you see this playing out for the rest of the year in terms of like the the trend of the metaverse and NFTs? Uh, you mean in terms of uh, price action or like MVI composition or something else entirely? Uh, I think price action. Yeah, Let, let's have a chat about where you, how you think this is going to unfold. Uh, it's hard to kind of predict how the the prices. Yeah, how the price situation is going to unfold. I think it's pretty clear to me that the adoption is going to continue to grow. Um, I think especially the the play-to-earn gaming space is uh, is going to continue to grow rapidly. I think there's, in general, a lot of innovation happening um, across the, the metaverse. And, you know, like we sort of talked about it a little bit in the opening post in the meta portal but um, basically that in combination with uh, blockchain and nfts right we there's just so many opportunities to to create value and uh, i think we are just like so so early um and the the design space is just massive 
but that doesn't mean right that the prices are going to go higher in in sort of the the, the medium term uh, by the end of the year uh, i i think you know we, we will see the traditional rotation like bitcoin eth blue chips and kind of small caps and we we're going to see that kind of sector by sector which is sort of what happened right in this latest run uh of nft metaverse tokens where uh, a lot of them rallied two months before we sort of launched and um then we we saw like a quite a meaningful uh, sell-off especially in the small caps so when we did our uh, monthly update for mvi performance a lot of the tokens that didn't do so well were uh, small caps under 100 million uh, market cap. And so they really didn't hold up that well. So, uh, yeah, hard to hard to predict the prices, but definitely um, very positive on, on the space as a whole and its uh, sort of continued evolution. No, that's awesome. I realize it was a difficult question and, and, and very broad, but, um, yeah, that was a, a great rundown. I, I was kind of thinking along the lines of um, knowing that you've done a few just back of the envelope comparisons between like uh, um, sort of like traditional, I guess you'd call it traditional gaming with Minecraft, uh, Roblox uh, and their valuations that they're seeing over there compared to stuff like Sandbox, um, Axie, you know, the, the, the very directly comparable games between the blockchain and the non-blockchain world. Yeah, I think I'd, definitely need to do sort of more work there i i think what you paying for in crypto is growth right like i think on on their own the valuations don't make much sense but uh, what you're paying for is growth right so if you incorporate these gross assumptions that these games these on-chain games play to earn games are going to grow at a clip that is significantly higher than Minecraft or or, or Roblox, um, then it, it sort of makes makes sense to to pay higher multiples. And obviously, in the bull run, we're gonna get overextended, and and valuations are gonna uh, stretch, and and at certain points, not make much sense. So, yeah, definitely, like the the comparison uh, piece is something that. Um, I'm going to uh, do a deep dive uh, into this week and, uh, yeah, see, see sort of what, uh, what comes out of it and, and uh, what types of comparisons um, we can make, if, if any, right? Just looking at kind of the, um, the user counts, the revenues, uh, the growth, and, and so on. I think uh, uh, we can also in- include sort of Epic Games, I think a lot of uh, business information, revenue information came out uh, during the hearing on the Apple Epic Games lawsuit. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting to, to dig through. Yeah, so we're kind of at risk of this becoming a, a Meta Portal podcast episode at this point. So, um, yeah, it might be worth worth wrapping that one up there. Um, certainly looking forward to that piece. Um, I think it would be quite eye-opening to, to see that comparison from you so yeah I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that yeah hopefully if if i do a good job um but uh, don't don't have too much faith <laughs> cool um did you have any 
awkward questions for me. I know you like to, to give me some curveballs at the end sometimes. No, I think given that you've struggled with writing this newsletter, um, I can probably let you off the hook this time. And uh, I promise you that next week I'm going to have an extra hard one for you. <laughs> awesome. That's very kind. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone.